Hi, Chris. Hello, Rob. Welcome to the 10 Minute Design Chat. We are here again. Thank you very much. Uh, today, let's talk about accessibility. So this is something close to my heart, namely because I am a graphic designer in my spare time, and uh, and I, I I just can't get over badly designed things. I think there's no excuse. <laughs> Everyone's been on a terrible website and wondered why have they put yellow font on a yellow background. Um, but you know, when it comes to board games, uh, there, there's a lot of it going around, and there's a lot of stuff you can do to make a. Uh, to, to, to stop me getting so annoyed in my spare time, you know? Like, don't you think, Chris? Yeah, that's true. And from my point of view, uh, for people who don't know, I'm a paediatric doctor uh, in my spare time. And so what I see quite often is people who have various impairments or difficulties with um, all sorts of things which we're going to talk about today, which are not always taken into consideration. And I think it's something that we can do to help the wider board gaming community to bring more people into the hobby. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why we're talking about it today, because it's important. Very important. Accessibility means different things to different people, of course, Rob. So I thought today I'd just ask you what it means to you, and then we can have a chat about some of the different uh, difficulties people face and how we can help. Mm, going easy on me, I like it. Um, but no, it is, it is, it means a lot to me. I think the the thing with board games, accessibility specifically in board games, means the ability to share the same positive experience with uh, the people that I want to share it with. Um, I think that when it comes down to to games um and it's not even necessary about sharing this is just this i'm an avid solo gamer and 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 there have been a lot of experiences that have been made difficult um simply because of being able to pass the rules or not really understanding what this icon looks like and what it's supposed to mean and 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 it really does um interfere with the overall gameplay experience but i would say it's the it's the it's there are a lot of people that I want to enjoy this hobby with and any any effort that's made by designers or by gamers or communities to encourage and and allow people to sit at the table with me um, is, is a huge thing for me it's a huge thing for me definitely agreed agreed so we've kind of divided up some of the areas of accessibility and we're going to sort of take in turns and have a chat about those different areas so I'm going to kick it off I'm going to start by talking about uh, sort of language literacy and interpretation of things because I think that's a big area and something that lots of people can struggle with to varying degrees um, and what we can do so mm. what I'm talking about here is let's take it from its most basic sort of level which is language dependent games so there are some games that by definition all the components have things written on them, they've got lots of flavour text, things like that, and if they were to be taken into another language, they would need to be translated into that language. But there are also lots of games where actually the components themselves don't have that on, and actually it's just the rule book that needs translating, which is one, easier for publishers, but two, is easier for people to understand, and specifically easier for people who find it difficult to process text. 
So processing text in game is quite pressured. So if you think of certain games where you have to read a power on a card and decide whether it's the right thing to do at the right time, um, that can be difficult. It can take time to process, whereas if it's just symbols or pictures that someone can quickly have a look at and think, oh, actually, this is what I can do with this card now, that is really, really important. Mm. I think that extends to rule books themselves in that I'm sure you've seen lots of rule books, Rob, that have just walls of text. Oh my god, I'll tell you what comes to mind. Robinson Crusoe first edition. I know they've done a lot of work. They've probably gone through three iterations to try and make that rule book even readable. Um, but between Robinson Crusoe first edition and Mage Knight, um, yeah, I had to sit down and it was like I was retaking retaking my bachelor's degree just, just to start playing the game. Yeah, and this is the thing. We don't want to read essays when we're going through rule books. I think everyone realises there's going to be a certain amount of text and language that needs to be interpreted. However, what I do love is rule books have really well laid out diagrams and it shows me what to put where to begin with what it should look like and as I go through I'm getting a visual representation of what I'm supposed to be doing and I think that's really Mm -hmm. helpful for people who they have difficulties with interpreting the text and some people find the processing of that quite tricky and actually seeing a picture can just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden that might be what just flips that switch and they're like oh that's what i'm trying to do sure easy it's not the actual doing it that's the issue it's the the way it's explained to them absolutely and 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 it's definitely there's there's lots of ways you can get around that you know even for me personally the way i got through my mage knight slash robinson crusoe crisis was to watch how to play videos um which is a very clear way to just sort of get a visual representation and actually see the game being played um, just sort of like through doing rather than through reading and trying to interpret it in the way that I hope that I've got it right, but I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I think some people are just more visual learners. Um, and that kind of takes us on to the next section of what you were going to talk about, Rob. Absolutely. You can't have a rule book without fonts and symbols and and, and diagrams. And this is a definitely a bugbear of mine um, being in the graphic design world and the user experience world. Um, when it comes to um, when it comes to a wall of text, it's understandable. You do have to pass a lot of information, but but the way that's presented is really important, and you need to consider what the uh, audience for your game is, um, whether the age range, for example, if this is for young children or families, then ultimately like clear, large fonts um, with lots of spacing. I mean, this goes for everything, but like especially so then. Um, there are elements of considering people with dyslexia, for example, as well, and and there are specific fonts designed for people with dyslexia that you can find online i think we'll, we'll chuck those in the show notes just so people can get hands on those yeah another element is uh, is symbols and colored blindness and and ultimately i've played a lot of games where there's a lot of symbols that are really similar or very elaborate yeah. and they don't necessarily pertain to what it is that they're representing and and i think clear different symbols can help remediate uh, the issue with color blindness as well because um, it's very common that you'll see games where they'll just use primary colors to uh, sort of signify something without the use of like a unique simple icon next to it um, and and that can really hamper who can actually play your game um, there are resources available uh, once again we'll put them in the show notes but there are resources available such as apps that can see whether the colors on your page or the components um, reflect how they reflect to different colorblind people but ultimately it's a case of trying to consider the spacing and, and the use of colors um, throughout your throughout your design yeah, um, yeah. and I would say that that actually leads quite nicely onto 
physical impairment, Chris? It does. So physical impairment, obviously a huge range of different difficulties people can face for a number of different reasons. Um, and I think there's some basic things we can do to help. Now, overall, there's going to be some games where they are just not playable by certain people because they require a certain physical dexterity that that person doesn't possess. But I'm thinking things like by definition board games cram a lot into a box often they have very fiddly pieces counters cubes things like that make your game pieces a reasonable size so there's lots of people who have things like essential tremor so where their hands shake and they can't control it and they find it difficult to manipulate small things sometimes and maybe consider if you've made a dexterity game and it's viable it's not always and can the game be played in a different mode that doesn't need dexterity or maybe makes the dexterity easier in some way, or the scoring fairer for people who have dexterity difficulties. Um, and then something very simple that some people sometimes forget is that, you know, there's a lot of the population that aren't right-handed. And actually, mm-hmm. there's certain handedness things in games, such as spreading out, fanning out cards. If you don't have symbols on both sides, the way a left-handed person fans the cards, they're going to be covering up the vital information. So have a look at how that would impact them and test it with left-handed people and just think about that as well. It's a really good example. And, and actually, that's, kind of, that's made me think a little bit about how the game is played in the sense of, of I guess the way I'll describe it is confrontational, how the level of confrontation in your game. Yeah. Um, ultimately, there are a lot of games where, you know, just having different levels of difficulty um, can help facilitate being able to play with children up to sort of like hardcore gamers. Um, and, and like, or is, is your, does your game like uh, uh, provide a progressive uh, sort of difficulty? Does it get harder as you play? Yeah. Is there elements of the game that are mean that can be taken out? The example that comes to mind is unfair and ultimately that allows you to usually the game can be quite mean but there's a version where you can play which ultimately avoids any mean gameplay uh, and also timers time pressure is this is the pressure of actually having to make the decision going to cause issues is there a way of removing that is there a way of remediating that um yeah and uh, talking of time pressures we are moving towards <laughs> 10 minutes now however there's something important i just want to cover which i think is worth just spending a few seconds on and i, I think i i hope that our listeners will forgive us for this maybe being the 11 minute design chat rather than the 10 minutes and <laughs> um, and that's just thinking about the wider tabletop community and what we can do to include people who have accessibility difficulties whether they be very mild or very severe so things that come to mind for me are being welcoming bringing everyone to the table during the design procedure procedure design process (laughs) think about these things as you're going along don't just add them on at the end appreciate Mm -hmm. that not everybody interprets the things the same way you do and there's a lot of different difficulties there's people who are have different neurodiversity there's people who might benefit from things like alt text so alternate text on social media posts a lot of those um, social media platforms have options now where you can write a description of what a picture shows so on instagram you could write what the picture was so people who have visual impairment they can actually through the software they use they can still be involved in things like instagram which are predominantly visual um social platforms um subtitles in things for people with hearing impairment so i'm thinking things like google chat uh, which is what we're using now to look at each other you can put auto text captions on and actually not too bad they'll make the odd 
error but actually for people with even mild hearing impairment that could be really helpful um, and think about events accessibility for players that have physical impairments and things like quiet areas for some people who have things like sensory difficulties and just might need to step away from the the bustle of the convention hall essentially yeah. what i'm saying is in everything you do in tabletop gaming try and bake in accessibility don't just sprinkle it on at the end and yeah. that's what I'm saying. And what I would say to everybody, if you're going to look at one website, look at meeplelikeus.co.uk. I'll put the link down in the show notes. They do articles on accessibility. They also do game teardowns on accessibility as well. And that's really interesting insight into difficulties people might face. Yeah, great resource for this. And, and it is a difficult topic. Um, and, I, and I would sort of say you know, there, are, there is a lot of different things we've passed today. And I think that um, the, the idea is that the core of your game might not accommodate everybody you know if you're making a dexterity game and and people can't enjoy that um then changing it from a dexterity game is is kind of counterproductive to what you're trying to do but there are always opportunities to make things more accessible in your game um and how you do that is up to you there's a wide variety of of sort of uh, of ways to do that but the main reason you want to do that is because the more people that can play your game the more people that will play your game and the more people that will play your game then the better the better the design hopefully and uh and 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 if you if you're looking to get into this industry then even from like a if if you need this incentive a financial one like it's it's worth getting it as available to as many players as possible so people can enjoy what you've made definitely in the end of the day accessibility is good for everyone and i think that's the that's the bottom line And uh, I've really enjoyed that discussion today, Rob. As I said, mm. hopefully the listeners will forgive us for going a bit over today. But actually, I think it's important not to rush through these things too much. Absolutely. Um, no doubt these issues will come up again in, in future episodes when we're talking about components, things like that. But for now, um, I'm going to say bye, Rob. And I'll see you at boardgamebud.com. Thank you very much, Chris. And I'll see you at 10minutedesignchallenge.co.uk. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. And welcome, everybody, to the table.